Okay, we are live, and I want to wish you a Chag Sameach for Lag Ba'omer. Tonight starts Lag Ba'omer, and uh, dedications in memory of Devorah Feger, Bat Shmuel, Zichron Alavracha, and Yibad L'chaim Toiv Maruchim, and for the Rufuah Shleima of Leah Bat Rachel, Yaakov Ben Penina, Menachem Mendel Ben Sarabatya, and also my personal um, dedication, I dedicate this class and, and the Zchut of Rab Shimon Bar Yochai that uh, Rezel Bas Miriam should have a complete Refuah Shalema and so too Shterna Mezani Simcha Bas Tzivya should have in the Zchut of the Rab Shimon Bar Yochai a complete um, good health. Okay, so today's... Uh, Topic that today's title is When God Says I Am God, Healing Our Pleasure Center. So, um, before I speak to you about this lecture's modern day issue, you know, we always take a modern day issue before we get into the mysticism, I'd like to give you some statistics about addiction. And I have over here, the notes will be sent out, um, I have over here two pages of statistics. And I took the, uh, I guess, the major addictions, which is in alphabetical order, alcohol, drugs, food, gambling, porn, and sex. So uh, I'm just going to, I'm not going to read it to you all. I just want you to get a picture of, of the magnitude of this issue. Um, uh, so we have over here that in alcohol, um, alcohol-impaired driving accounts for more than 30% of all driving fatalities each year. More than 15 million people with an alcohol use disorder in the United States. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and then it says less than 8% receive uh, treatment. Drugs. Drugs in uh, 2017, the statistics was from the age of 12 and older, 19.7 million. Um, let's jump to food. Food estimates. Estimates suggest that approximately 24.9% of overweight, obese individuals report clinically significant symptoms of food addiction. Uh, let's jump to the next addiction. Gambling. Near th nearly three-quarters of incarcerated individuals have gambling problems. Nearly one-quarter of college students gamble online. The number of college students who gamble online is growing faster than any other group. Porn. This is just wow. Visits to a porn hub, I guess that's a certain porn site, is 33.5 billion over the course of 2018. That's a number. Um, uh, porn hub's daily visits now exceed 100 million daily. Okay. Um, let's jump to the next thing. Sex. In the United States, up to 30 million individuals are suffering from a sex addiction. Uh, the reason why I went through these statistics is just simply so that we can understand we are not speaking of an isolated small portion of society. Now let's talk about hey Blanca. Now let's talk about the, uh, the, the this lecture's modern day issue. Um, today they couldn't print up copies, so wait so after which one? Okay. Okay. So um, uh, so that's what's going on. It's not a small issue. Now, what I want to share is this is not only about addiction recovery. I want to share about um, I want to share what this what this modern day issue is. Studies show, and that's why I started off with addiction. Studies show that addiction has to do with the pleasure center 
of the brain being unhealthy, overworked, and in the language of therapy, all lit up. The addict creates synaptic connections in his brain to the point where alcohol, drugs, food, sex, porn, or gambling isn't the problem, but the solution. What does that mean? What that means is to the addict, his addiction to every problem, emotion, from anxiety to depression to happiness, that's the solution is his addiction. It is so because the addict has evolved his pleasure center of his brain to be the most active and driving center of his brain. Today, everything with MRIs and everything, we see it. We see which parts of the brains are more developed, which are less developed, what's higher and what's lower, okay? Thus, the modern day issue for this lecture is how to heal one's pleasure center in his brain. Now I'm gonna to jump to a footnote that I wrote, and please, it is very important, and if you're not absolutely certain with this, it's actually better you don't listen to this lecture. Addiction demands a recovery program, and this lecture will not help an addict recover from his addiction. It is but a supplement for the addict in a recovery program, and for the non-addict to reformat their pleasure center and to rewire their synaptic connections. So don't, uh, oh, I know someone's an addict, I gotta let him listen to this lecture. Uh, not working. But an addict that's in working a recovery program or other people that have found themselves, even without addiction, but they've created certain thought patterns which literally physically creates uh, synaptic connections in their mind, this, this is gonna help, okay? Okay, this lecture is based primarily on a mimer a Hasidic discourse that the Rebbe delivered on the Shabbos in 1965, exploring the three levels of Shabbat and their power of pleasure. Okay? So now you see how we got to this, and we'll talk about it. So, a couple introductions are needed. Introduction number one. The closing verse of this week's Torah portion is, and I'm going to read it to you. You shall keep my Shabbatot, and fear my sanctuary, I am God. That's the words. Okay? Et shabtotai tishmoru. Shabtotai is plural for Shabbat. Shabtotai tishmoru. Migdoshi tirau. Ani Hashem. Three parts. Now, <laughs> what's amazing is this exact verse, which is the closing verse of our Torah portion, which is chapter 26, verse 2, is word by word of a verse of the last week's Torah portion, chapter 19, verse 30. Literally, word by word. So obviously the question is why? Why would Hashem put the same exact verse twice? Number two. There are three statements in this verse. Number one, you shall keep my Shabbat. Number two, and fear my sanctuary. And number three, I am God. What is the connection between these three statements? One's talking about Shabbat, one's talking about the Holy Temple, and one is talking about I am God. Okay, let us go further. Lastly, the verse uses the plural here for Shabbat. Shabtotai instead of Shabbat. Now, normally, when we talk about the we talk about Shabbat, we talk about and the verse always uses usually uses the singular form, meaning you should observe the K 
category of Shabbat, the day of the week, which is Shabbat. Why over here does he use it as plural? Shabtotai. Hello. Okay. Well, unless you can use Adobe Photoshop and grow the crowd. Don't take no pictures. <laughs> okay, I'm joking. Okay, so why the plural? That's not what we usually do. We talk about Shabbat as a category, as a concept. We don't talk about a Shabbat as every Shabbat individually. So when God says you should be Shomer Shabbat, He doesn't say you should be Shomer Shabbatot. You should be Shomer Shabbat. Okay? Okay. So those are the three questions. Now let's move on. The next thing is very interesting. If you look in our prayers and our Kiddush for Shabbat and for the holidays, we find a very distinct difference. What is the distinct difference? When we sanctify the Shabbat, we close the blessing with Baruch Atah Hashem, blessed are you, Mekadesh HaShabbat, who sanctifies the Shabbat. Now when it comes to, so too the prayers of Shabbat, the prayers and the Kiddush. On the holidays, we say something else. Blessed are you, Baruch Atah Hashem, who sanctifies Israel, the Jewish people, and the festive seasons. So when it comes to the blessing of uh, the Kiddush of the holidays, we first say that God sanctifies the Jewish people, and then we say the, the holidays. When it comes to Shabbat, we don't make any mention of the Jewish people. Blessed are you who sanctify Shabbat. Now this distinction is so pronounced that even when it's a Shabbat that coincides, um, that a holiday that falls out on Shabbat, it coincides on Shabbat, when you make the Kiddush, you say, and the same with the prayers, who sanctifies Shabbat, Israel, and the holiday festivals. So even when you're going to mention everything, you make sure to put the Shabbat before the Jewish people and the holidays after the Jewish people. Why? So the truth is that this is answered in a teaching in the Talmud. It's a Brita, it's a teaching in the Talmud, Tractic Beya 17a. And now, let's see what's going on here. He says like this, Eitana taught a Brita before Ravina, I'm reading to you literally, with a slightly different reading, he concludes a blessing with who sanctifies the Jewish people, Shabbat and the seasons. Ravina said to the Tana, is that to say that the Jewish people sanctify Shabbat? Isn't Shabbat already sanctified from the six days of creation, every seventh day is automatically Shabbat without the need for any declaration on the part of the Jewish people? Rather, amend it and say as follows, who sanctifies Shabbat, the Jewish people on the season, as the Jewish people indeed sanctify the new moon and the festival days. Rabbi Yosef concludes, he says, the law is with regard to the conclusion of the blessing, is it, a, it is in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, and as the difficulty was resolved by Ravina. So there was an opinion that said, no, if you're going to put everything together, then put the Jewish people Shabbat and the holidays. Shabbat comes before holidays because it's more often. That which comes more often, that which comes less often, you put the more often one first. But he held that if you're going to do it, all of them, then do it, the Jewish people, Shabbat, and, and the uh, holidays. However, the other one says no. 
And here he's hinting to us, he's telling us why we put at all the Jewish people before the holidays. And the answer is because yes, God's the one in the Torah who told us to make the holidays. And on the first day of the seventh month, and on the tenth day of the seventh month, and on the fifteenth day of the seventh month, and on the fifteenth day of Nisan, and on the and count forty-nine days from there, the fiftieth day of Shavuot. Yes, God's the one that gave us the holidays. And he told us what day the holiday should be on. However, the day of the lunar month will be decided by when Rosh Chodesh is, when the first day of the month is. Rosh Chodesh has to be established by the Jewish courthouse. Thus, without the Jewish courthouse, you wouldn't have at all any, any set date. So you wouldn't know when the 15th of the Nisan is in order to make the biblical holiday of Passover. Thus we now see that the holidays depend upon the Jewish people's work. On the other hand, Shabbat is not at all dependent on the courthouse. It's very simple. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, seventh day, Shabbat. And, the, and you don't need the courthouse to proclaim what day of the week it is. Unlike the month. Okay? So, now that we understand that, we understand that Shabbat is not the work of the Jewish people, but of God, established at the, six, at the time of the six days of creation, right? Now let's see an interesting verse. The verse in, in Exodus says, Thus shall the children of Israel observe the Shabbat to make the Shabbat throughout their generations as an everlasting covenant. Whoa, 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 whoa. We just said that the Jewish people don't make Shabbat. We observe that which God made. So what is the verse saying over here? Both things. Observe the Shabbat to make the Shabbat. We don't make the Shabbat. God made the Shabbat. He made the concept of Shabbat and He established what day it will be. And we don't need anyone to get involved with that. Unlike the holidays where we need the courthouse to get involved to proclaim the day of the month. But the verse says, make the Shabbat. What's going on here? And now let's start the lecture. Those are the introductions just to understand what's, what's going on. So, here's a list of the mystical concepts. Number one, two Shabbatot. Mystical concept number three, number two, three Shabbatot. Number four, the words in the verse, fear my sanctuary. Number Four, yeah, number three. Number four is the last words of the verse, I am God. We're going to go through each portion of the verse. And then at the end, what is the difference between the two verses? If they're identical word by word in last week's Torah portion, which is chapter 19 of the book of Leviticus, and in this week's Torah portion. Okay? Okay, and now let the amazement of Hasidus begin. So Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, in his book, that gives mystical teachings on each parsha. On this week's parsha in the book Lekutah Torah, he explains the plural term. And how does he explain the plural term? He explains that there's two levels of Shabbat. Really, in every Shabbat, it's not one Shabbat; it's two Shabbats. So, therefore, we're talking about one Shabbat when we use the plural. You should know that the Shabbatot of the Shabbat. Now, what's going on here? So, let's understand. What does the word Shabbat mean? Do you know? It says, Ki Shabbat Vayinafash. Shabbat means from the word of resting. Okay? 
Now, what does rest mean on a mystical level? Because obviously we have to understand what it means that God rested. God doesn't get exhausted. What is, what is God, why is God resting? So, the way it's explained is, when someone, let's talk about the human being, okay? When you are diligently and strenuously working on something. Now, when I say working on something, it could be an intellectual. You're trying to figure out something. It could be physical. Whatever the work is. How do you get to work? So let's take an example. You're trying to figure out a very difficult verse, Mishnah, piece of math, whatever it is. You have an issue at work, you're trying to figure it out. What, what, how does that work? What happens is that the soul has faculties. Three of those faculties are intellectual. And what happens is that the soul's faculties have to descend from the soul literally into your mind, into your brain. And thus the power of intellect is happening in that gray mass. Now what happens is that the faculties of the soul are finite. Thus, even when you're sitting and really strenuously and studiously trying to figure out an issue, you end up getting exhausted and you end up even having a headache. Why? Because the faculties of the soul get depleted. What happens when you rest? When you rest, the faculties of your soul return back. They ascend back into the soul where they now get rejuvenated and repleted. So rest actually means the ascent from the faculties which descended now ascend and rejuvenate. How does this work by God? Hey. How does this work? Yeah. How does this work by God? The creation was done through seven days, which are the seven emanations of the linear, of the linear finite light. Right? I mean, the mere fact that there's emanations, the mere fact that there's a difference between wisdom, understanding, a form, a shape, tells us that we're dealing with the finite. It has a definition. Now, those those emanations from the infinite light descend into the universe to create and sustain the universe. What happens on Shabbat? On Shabbat, the Shabbat Vayinafash means that the emanations ascend from below to its source. And this works by world by world. That means that you have the emanations that are shining into this physical world. When they go to their source, what does that mean? They go to the spiritual world of, of um, it's a formation. And the emanations of formation will then ascend to the spiritual world of creation. The, the, uh, the emanations of creation will ascend to the world of Atzilut. The world of Atzilut will go higher and higher and higher. Thus what's really happening here is that on Shabbat, in the terms of Kabbalah, what happens on Shabbat is defined by Aliyot HaOlamot. The ascents of the worlds. Make sense so far? So in the six days of the week, God spoke. What does God speak mean? You give out. So that means that the faculties, i.e. the emanations of the infinite light, 
of the linear, finite linear light, which comes from the infinite light, is descending into the universe. On Shabbat, everything goes up a level. Thus, Shabbat is a holy day because on Shabbat, we're not receiving the emanations the way they descended into the physical universe of Asiya action. Rather, we're, we're ascending. The world is now on a higher level. Not in my notes, but just that you should know. If you notice on Shabbat, Chabad Chasidim wears silk. The black thing is usually made out of silk. Why? There's a Kabbalistic reason. Because all week we wear linen. We wear even wool, which is sheared off the animal. Silk is the actual product of an animal. So we went from the plant or the inanimate level to the living level, which matches what's happening in the world on Shabbat. The emanations are ascending from the lower level to the higher level. And the four categories are represented in the four worlds. The human, the animal, the plant, and the inanimate. Those are the four worlds I mentioned before. Atzilut, Briya, Yitzira, Okay? So just so you understand that that's how serious it is that we talk about the ascent of the worlds that according to Kabbalah and Shabbat you should wear silk. Okay? Now, by the way, it doesn't mean only silk. The pants aren't, you know, we don't wear silk pants. It's the, that one thing. The hat is made out of felt, it's not made out of silk. Okay? But it's just a reflection of what's really going on according to Kabbalah and Shabbat. The ascent of the worlds. And that's the definition of resting. Okay? So now that we understand that, we have to understand one issue. By the way, just in parentheses, that's also why the letters in Hebrew of Shabbat is the same letters of the word Tashuv. Where do you remember the word Tashuv from? Teshuvah. What does Teshuvah mean? Return. Now you understand. What's happening on Shabbat is that the emanations that were going out are ascending back up, returning to get rejuvenated. Okay? Replenished. Okay. Let's go further then. What does it take to have the light ascend into its source? What does it take? Okay, it has to happen on Shabbat. But what has to happen in order for that to happen? So to understand that, sorry? You have to rest. You have to be... Yes, but I'm, I'm talking now on the spiritual level. Not just the physical rest where our faculties are returning and we're rejuvenating. I'm talking about the entire universe. We're talking about the emanations, the light is going back up into its source. What has to happen? To understand what has to happen, look at what happened when it descended. And the opposite has to happen for it to ascend. What happens when the light descends? The light gets weaker. The light becomes, goes through a concealment, a contraction, and all of a sudden it becomes more coarse. It has an ego, an identity of separation. I'm also a somebody. When the light, for example, this runs, this, the rays of the sun is within the sun, you don't see no rays. Only when the rays leave the sun, it, it's like, oh, look, there's a ray. That notion that when you leave your source, you pick up an identity, you pick up a, uh, I'm a somebody, ego. So what has to happen for it to ascend? The opposite of ego. The opposite of ego on, in Hebrew is called, Bitul nullification. 
That means Shabbat is all about to experience humility and self-nullification as an egoist and arrogance. And through that, you can then ascend into your source. But as long as you think you're a somebody, my teacher, who needs my teacher? I'm, not, I'm already a teacher. At that point, you can't ascend within your teacher. You can't ascend within your source if you're denying that I'm me. Thus, humility and self-nullification is what needed in order to go up. Okay? Now, now we understand what the Alter Rebbe says, that every Shabbat has two Shabbatot. There's the Shabbat of Friday night, and there's the Shabbat of Shabbat morning. And here's something interesting to understand. If you look in your prayer book, I once pointed this out to you in this class. If you look in your prayer book, there's one prayer that's in every single prayer of Shabbat. You probably recognize it through the song. Familiar, remember that in Shul? So over there at the end, it says, and you shall rest. Friday night you say, feminine. Shabbat morning you say, bo, masculine. Shabbat afternoon by Mincha, you say Shabbatot v'yenuchu bum, which is plural. So right now, we're talking about the two Shabbatot, the ba and the bo, the Friday night and the Shabbat morning. Now, why is there two Shabbatot? Because if Shabbat is all about self-nullification, in Kabbalah, there's two types of self-nullification. One is called Bitul Hayesh, which is the lower Shabbat. And one is called Bitul Hametziyut, which is the higher Shabbat. Now, what is the difference between the two? Bitul Hayesh literally means the nullification of the something, the ego. Bitul Hametziyut, Metziyut does not mean ego. It means the existence of. The lower level of self-nullification is to understand that I am a something from nothing, ex nihilo, which in itself creates a problem. I am from God, right? We were all created by God. So how do you say we are something from a nothing? We're a something and God's the nothing? And the answer is that we define what a something is. A something is that which has a description, that which has a definition, that which has a beginning and an end, that which takes up a dimension in space and in time. Thus, we call God nothing because God defies anything and everything that we call a something. Thus God is nothing and we are something. Thus, the outcome of understanding that we are something out of nothing takes us to a higher level where we realize now that the something could not exist without the nothing creating it and sustaining it. Thus, all I'm saying is here, I am a something. 
but I realize that my existence is only because of the nothing that created me. If I have all these finite descriptions, I must come from somewhere infinite, something which is higher and defies all these descriptions and limitations. Thus, I'm a something from nothing. So the end of the story is I'm a something. I didn't nullify my existence. I nullified my ego and my arrogance. Pharaoh said, It's my forest that I made myself. To have humility of ego is, it's not my forest and I didn't make myself. I'm a something from nothing. Nothing with a capital N. Meaning it defies anything that's a something. Okay? So far so good? Yeah? Now let's go to the next level. This is, this what I just told you is the lower Shabbat, which is Friday night. Then comes Shabbos morning, which is the higher level. What's the higher level of Shabbat morning? Over here we say, it's the nullification of the very existence. How does that work? How that works is very simple. Let me just be brief with this. There's a realization that that which has a beginning and an end, that means there's a time where it wasn't and there will be a time where it won't be. Something which isn't always, that which doesn't exist ever, forever, from the true existence perspective, never existed. That which ends while it exists doesn't truly exist from the perspective of existence is eternal, omnipotence. Thus, in this phrase we say that we are a nothing from something. Because in the true existence, that which has a beginning and an end, a definition, it is what it is, it's not what it's not. So there's an area where it's not. If there's an area where it's not, then even when it is, it isn't. A little bit of a tongue twister, but you understand the point here? So is the converse of something? Is that what you're saying? What it means is, I'll give you an example. I didn't put this in my notes, but this is where it comes from. The verse about the red heifer says that you have to put the living waters in a vessel. Living waters? What's living waters? What's dead waters? So the Talmud says that there was a river that dried up once every seven years. So it says you can't count, you can't use that river. Why can't you use that river? Because if it dries up, then even while it's here, it's not really here. It's not living here. It's not living waters. Because the true definition of life is that which never ends. If it ends from the true existence, it was never alive. Now, what does that mean? Someone's going to drown in that water. He's going to drown. You can tell me he's not a real... Someone who's, who's uh, about to die of dehydration, if he drinks that water, he will be resuscitated. He will be, come back to himself. But from the perspective of true existence, true existence means 
It always was, it is, and it always will be. If it isn't like that, then that which doesn't ever exist, never exists. Thus, from this perspective, the bitul, the self-nullification, is not just about the ego and the arrogance. It's about a very existence. We realize that we are, on our own, the true definition of nothingness. Thus, take it to the next step, we then realize that we are only the expression and the extension of the one and only something, which is Hashem Echad, God is one. So this level of self-nullification is not that I am what I am, but I wouldn't be if not for God. This level of self-nullification is there is no I am what I am. God is everything and everything is God because God is the only true existence. This is called Shabbat Ila'ah. This is called a higher Shabbat. And this is Saturday morning. Now there's something we need to understand here. This level, a something could understand and appreciate that while it's a something, it has nothing to be arrogant and egotistical about. If all my gifts are not something I created, it's what God gave me. This one God gave a, a gift and talent in music. This one in art. This one in logic. This one in... This is not, this is not ours. So yes, I'm a something. I'm a somebody that has a talent. But I have nothing to be arrogant about. This wasn't self-inquired. So the something could understand that. But for a something to truly appreciate and perceive that he's not even a something, that can't happen. You can't be a something, look in the mirror and say, I'm not a something. You can look in the mirror and say, hey, 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 calm down. You have nothing to be boastful about. But you can't look in the mirror and see yourself and say, I, I'm not. Thus, where does this higher level of humility, the absoluteness of self-nullification come from? The answer is, it doesn't come from below, it comes from above. When the circular light, the infinite circular light, reveals itself, so the emanations from the linear finite light sees that it's nothing. It's not a something. Thus, the self-nullification of ego and separation comes from below. I can work on myself to realize I have nothing to be so proud of. I mean, in a, in a healthy way, of course, it's important that we pat ourselves on the back. But I'm talking about from the arrogance, ego way. But from the perspective, that which is that I am nothing, there's no something here, that's from above to below. Thus, we now understand that there's two levels of Shabbat. The lower Shabbat is from below to above. Then there's the Shabbat. I'm sorry, that's not the lower Shabbat. There's a Shabbat which is from below to above. And then there's the Shabbat from above to below. Now, the two verses make sense. That which comes from above 
the verse doesn't mean when it says make the Shabbat. Remember we had that verse? Right? Thus shall the children of Israel observe the Shabbat to make the Shabbat. There's observing Shabbat and there's making Shabbat. That which you have, that it is what it is, and it comes from above, you can only have to observe it. In other words, don't get in the way. Don't desecrate the Shabbat to close yourself off from receiving the Shabbat. But the Shabbat is made by God. The part that comes from below above, now we're talking about that which we make. Okay? Now the two Shabbatot make sense. And the observe and the make make sense. Okay? Let's go further then. This is all according to the definition that there's two Shabbatot. And that was explained by the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, the founder of Chabad Lubavitch, Rabbi Shneir Zalm of Liadi. And then five generations, the fifth generation, that means four generations later, his great-great-great-great-grandson, Rabbi Sholem Dober of Lubavitch, explains it in more detail. He says there's not two Shabbatot, there's three Shabbatot. There's Friday night, right, Kabbalah Shabbat. There's Shabbat morning, Shacharit and Musaf. But there's also Mincha, right? We'll see later that you have three meals. You have the first meal Friday night, you have the second meal Shabbat morning, and then there's the Su'udah Shlishit. What does the word Shlishit mean? Shalosh, three, the third meal. So he says there's not two, there's three. If so, why did my great-grandfather say that there's two? He's talking about categories. There's two categories. That which comes from above to below, and that which comes from below to above. There's two categories. However, within the category of from above to below, there's two levels. And now let's explain it. Okay? Let's see. So, let's talk about this. I quoted to you when we spoke about why we make Kiddush on Shabbat. We don't say sanctified Israel and sanctified Shabbat like we do on holidays. And what was the reason you remember? The words are, because Shabbat is Mekacho Mekaimo. It already was sanctified. It already was established. We don't need the Jews to establish it. Unlike the holidays, which you need the Jews to set up the calendar, the lunar calendar, to proclaim Rishchodesh in order to have a holiday. So now let's talk about it. We talk about the first Shabbat is that which Hashem gave us. That naked Shabbat, as it is in its own right, comes from above to below, which empowers us to have a Shabbat. Shabbat is not something that we could have obtained on our own. Shabbat has to be given to us. However, once you get that Shabbat, which is Mekacho Mekaimo, it already was sanctified and established by the six days of creation by God, now comes along the Jew and he takes it to the next level. He gives the Shabbat what the Shabbat didn't have in its own naked self. Thus we have an interesting verse. And what does the verse state? And you shall call it pleasure. Vikarata what does it mean that you should call it? In Kabbalah, calling means to draw. That means before I call, it didn't have this. And once I call it, it has it. 
That means that Shabbat on its own didn't have this oneg, this pleasure. But we, by making Kiddush, by nullifying ourselves for the will of God, right? We give the Shabbat that which it didn't have before, which means a level of pleasure. By us doing the mitzvah of Shabbat, we draw an unprecedented level of pleasure of God, divinity, into the Shabbat. So we have the first Shabbat which comes from above. We just observe it. But by us doing what we have to do on Shabbat, we now have the Shabbat from below, which the verse tells us in Isaiah, Vikarata, you call unto it, draw into it an unprecedented level of divinity and pleasure from God. That's one and that's two. There's the from above to below, which empowers us. And once we're empowered, we have from the below to above. We bring into the Shabbat that which the Shabbat didn't have on its own. Right? That's what we accomplish by our mitzvot. We bring greater divinity in that which, has, which was before. However, then there's a third level of Shabbat. What is the third level of Shabbat? I'm going to read it to you, the story of the Talmud. The Talmud says, by the way, the Talmud is actually talking about something else. The Talmud is talking about how do we know that when you give someone a gift, you have to let them know. You shouldn't just like, no, no, I don't want to let them know, just give it to them. So they bring a proof from the Shabbat. Why? Because the Shabbat says, I, God, will sanctify you. So I'm going to quote you what the Gemara says. It's in Shabbat on page 10b. The Holy One, blessed be He, said to Moses, I have a good gift. Matanatova, a good gift. It means it's a gift, and it's a good gift. Right, a higher level. In my treasure house. And Shabbat is its name. And I seek to give it to Israel. Go inform them about it. The Talmud over there wants to point out the words, go inform them about it. That's not what we're doing here. We want to take out the first part of this now. So you see that there's a level of Shabbat, which is a gift from God, but not just a gift, it's a good gift. So the first Shabbat of Friday night is a gift. Then we work it, Shabbat morning. We bring it pleasure, Koratala Oneg. But then there's the third Shabbat, which is the good gift. Okay? Now here's a verse. You remember I told you the verse in Isaiah which says, Vikarata, you shall call it pleasure? The next verse after that says something else. Then you shall delight with God. What's the difference? When I'm saying you shall call it, that means you have to actively do something. Do it, it will happen. Don't do it, it won't happen. That's the definition from below to above. The from below causes an above. Right? Which then reflects back below. However, when we talk about this verse, we're not saying you shall do it. Let's read the verse again. It says, then you shall delight with God. This verse talks in the level of, it will happen automatically. You don't have to do anything. You will delight. Why is that? That's because the third, the third level of Shabbat, the third Shabbat, which is Shabbat Mincha, Shabbat afternoon, you should know that that level of Shabbat is beyond being solicited through our service and efforts. And that's the good gift. God empowers, number one. We do, number two. Number three is not a reward. Reward means that we solicited it. It means that 
Now God gives us a gift which we cannot solicit. Thus it doesn't say you should do anything to experience this pleasure. It's telling you, you will have this pleasure. It will come on its own. Okay? Now, we have to understand something here. We already had the calling it pleasure, right? That's what we do Shabbat morning. We draw God's pleasure, divinity into this. What's the third level? A different pleasure. It will flow by itself. Why? What's, what's the concept here? So there's something very interesting here. And what's interesting here is, I'm sorry, just one second here. Yeah, what's interesting here is that when you call pleasure, that means it's an, a pleasure that comes about through your doingness. You have to do something. A pleasure that comes about through doing is not the essence of pleasure. It's only a ray of pleasure. The third Shabbat is not talking about doing. It's talking about being. Your mere beingness and you will have pleasure. Thus we now see something very interesting. Even though you, the karata, you were the one that made it happen, you observed Shabbat, you made Shabbat, you did it, and you drew, you drew God's pleasure into Shabbat, but the fact that it came about through you doing something, it can't be the essence of pleasure. The essence can never flow from a state of doing. The essence of pleasure flows from a state of being. Remember that we're going to return to it in the closing of this class. But now I want to go back to Shabbat. Okay? Now, let's talk about now that we understand this. Let's go on to the next two levels of the verse. So now we understand the first words. Et Shabtotai Tishmoru, you shall heed my Shabbat Tot, which is plural, because there's more than one level of Shabbat. We found out that at the first level you can only observe. The second level you get to make. You draw in pleasure. And now there's the third level we're talking about, which is even higher. The pleasure comes from the beingness, not from the doingness. Shabtotai is, is plural, minimal of plural is two. So you have one and two. Now let's talk about the next words in the verse to see what's the connection. Okay? So we say it like this. Fear my sanctuary. Simply speaking, what does it mean to fear my sanctuary? To fear my sanctuary means it talks about the laws of the Beit HaMikdash. For example, you're not allowed to walk into the Beit HaMikdash with shoes, with a walking stick. You're not allowed to sit. Only the king from the house of David was allowed to sit. You're not allowed to use the holy temple to get from one side of Jerusalem to the other side. I'll cut through the courtyard. There are laws. Fear. And the Rambam says, well, you have to fear the bricks. Of course you have to fear the bricks. You have to fear he who rests in this house. That's the simple meaning of this mitzvah. By the way, it reflects today. In shul, there's certain laws that you're allowed to do and you're not allowed to do in a shul. Right? However, according to Kabbalah, and Hasidus, there's a different definition here. It says, Migdashai, my sanctuary. Hasidus says it can't be talking about the Holy Temple, because even though the Holy Temple is the, the sanctuary of God, who was it made by? Man. King Solomon. Right? 
Thus, which is the sanctuary that not only is where God dwells, but was made by God? Our sages tell us it refers to the Torah, the words of Torah. Right? So now all of a sudden this verse is not talking about the Bet HaMikdash, it's talking about Shabbat, the first two levels of Shabbat, and then it talks about the words of Torah. Now here's something interesting I want to share with you. I told you that we have three meals. Friday night we make Kiddush, Shabbos morning we make Kiddush, and by Shalshuz we don't make Kiddush. I want to talk to you about where that comes from. Where does it come from? How do you know you have to have three meals? So he says like this. It says, I'm going to quote you the Talmud. It learns out of the verse that talks about the manna. So I'm going to read to you that piece of Talmud. How many meals is a person obligated to eat on Shabbat? Three. There's a different opinion that says four, but I just want to quote this. Rabbi Yochanan said that these opinions are derived from one verse. What's that verse? It says on the manna that Shabbat, the manna didn't fall, right? You had to take double on Friday. So I want to read to you the verse. And Moses said, eat it today, for the day is Shabbat for God. Today you will not find it in the field. Right? They came to Moses. Moses, what happened there? We took and it doubled. He says, yeah, it doubled because today is Shabbat. It won't be falling in the field. Now count how many times it says the word today. Eat it today, for today is Shabbat for God. Today you will not find it in the field. Thus we learn now from the three times it says, Hayom, we learn out you have to have three meals. Watch what happens now. The third time it says today, what does it say? Today you will not, right? Moses is telling them, today you will not find it in the field. From here, we learn out in the code of Jewish law, in the laws of Shabbat, that the food, the eating of the third meal is not like the first meal and the second meal. You don't have a kiddush, you don't have to have that type of food. It's different. You don't have to have the fish and meat. Right? So much so that there's an opinion that says, the Mata Ephraim says, and that's actually the Chabad custom, that you don't have to eat at all in the third meal. You can, you can observe the third meal through words of Torah. Which is why in Chabad Yeshivas, at the time after Mincha, all the boys sit down, they sing Hasidic melodies, and one boy delivers a discourse, he repeats, he says by heart, by memory, a discourse of one of the Rebbes. And that is Shalashudas. Why? Because over here it says, today you will not. Thus you have it through the will not. What does this mean Kabbalistically? Remember I told you about the difference of the doingness and the beingness. The first two meals we're doing. Here when it says you will not, what it means is this is a level that you cannot solicit through your actions. This is not cause and effect. This is not you will do and God will respond, reciprocate. This is your not doing. Because this is not about a state of doingness, this is about a state of beingness. This is the third Shabbat, which is the essence pleasure. The essence pleasure comes from a state of being, not from a state of doing. Okay? Thus we now understand that this second words, Be'edmikdoshai tirau, really is talking about Shabbat. How do you figure? Because it's talking about the third level of Shabbat, which we now say comes through the words of Torah. And we said that when the verse says, it's Mikdashai, my sanctuary that I made, God says, that's the words of Torah. 
Thus we now see that the verse is flowing. The first two levels of Shabbat. The third level of Shabbat. Now let's take it to the next level. What does it mean when it closes off with Ani Hashem, I am God? So Rashi tells us over here that when the verse says after a commandment, I am God, Rashi says, what does it mean I am God? We got that memo already. What's God saying it now? God's saying it, I am trustworthy of giving you your reward. Thus the last verse it says, the first two verses, with the first piece of the Pasuk we just explained is to keep the first two levels of Shabbat. The second piece we just explained means to keep the third level of Shabbat through words of Torah. And now he says, and I am God, trustworthy of giving you the reward for what you're doing. What does this mean? So we're going to take it on two levels. The first level is, what's the reward of a mitzvah? In Ethics of Our Fathers, chapter 2, I think it's chapter 4, chapter 4, Mishnah 2, what does he say? Schar mitzvah mitzvah. The, the, um, the reward of a mitzvah is a mitzvah. What does that mean? The mitzvah itself is the reward. How do you explain that? So it explains like this. What is the entire job of a mitzvah? The entire job of a mitzvah is to create bitul. Not what I want, what God wants. Why am I doing this? Because God wants me to do it. However, that bitul is bitul hayesh. I am a something. And I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Because the verse says, and if you will follow my ways, I'll give you rains, I'll give you parnasa, I'll give you health, I'll give you everything. And if not, it's not good. So that level is I'm a something, but I realize I depend upon God, so I better get over my ego of what I want and do what God wants. That's the lower level of bitul. That's what all mitzvot are about. The reward is the same thing. It's all about the bitul, but it's a different level of bitul. The reward is the higher level of the bitul, where God says, you did the mitzvah, which is my will, now I will shine upon you the infinite circular light, and thus through that, you who come from the emanations of the finite linear light, will reach the true level of bitul. Now what do we happens when we have bitul? We can connect to higher. We're not separating. Thus the ultimate revelation, which is the reward of the mitzvah, which will happen when Mashiach comes, is that we are connected with the essence, not just the ray. Thus we now understand the reward of a mitzvah is a mitzvah, because the mitzvah that we do, we broke through, we nullified, we had humility of what I want and did what God wants. And the outcome is that I now have a much higher level because now I drew the pleasure of God, the will of God into the universe, which is the infinite circular light. Thus, when Mashiach comes, the curtain will raise and we'll see that we're connected with the essence. That's one way of interpreting this last words and for I, I, I am God. Thus, he's telling you that you should know that when you keep the Shabbat, which is all about bitul, so that you can have a scent. And then you have the second layer. And then you have the third layer. What is that third layer? That third layer is when Mashiach comes, which is the ultimate third Shabbat, 
is going to be the revelation that God is everything and everything is God and we're going to be connected with the essence of God. Let's close it up with, uh, with the next interpretation. How do you say I in Hebrew? Ani. Ani. How do you say nothing in, in nothingness in Hebrew? Ayin. Yesh ma'ayin means something from nothing. So ayin and ani are the same letters in Hebrew. One is Aleph Nun Yud and one is Aleph Yud Nun. Okay? Thus the Alter Rebbe gives a deeper meaning here. Ani Hashem. What is Hashem? Hashem is the full letter, the ineffable te tetragrammaton of God, which represents the ten emanations, right? The Yud is wisdom, the He is, uh, is understanding, the Vav is the six male emotions, and the, uh, and the last He is the feminine mystique kingship, right? Now read what he's saying. Ani. When you do mitzvahs, what happens? Ani, the ayin, the essence, not the ray, shines and manifests and fills the tetragrammaton, all the emanations. Because from the, from the perspective of ani, from the perspective of the essence of God, essence, infinite, circular, finite, linear, are all the same. Thus, when we connect with the essence of God through doing the mitzvah and getting the schar mitzvah, the reward of the mitzvah, what happens? What happens is that we here draw into the universe and into ourselves the essence connection. And thus, we're no more down here separated. But down here, we're connected to the source of the source, the essence. Not just the infinite circular, but the essence. Once again, we're talking about the level, the third Shabbat. Connecting with the essence when Mashiach comes. Thus, the third Shabbat, the good gift, is the ultimate reward of doing mitzvot. Not just to be connected with the circular, not just to, to negate our ego of I want, I don't want, but rather to be connected with the essence of God that truly understand that I am a nothing which is, which is, which is an extension and an expression of the only something there is. Okay. I want to just close up one last thing before we get to the practical modern day which we spoke about, which is the pleasure center, which is what addicts suffer from. Okay? The last thing we have to close up is, we asked the question, why would God say the exact same verse twice? Last week's Torah portion and this week's Torah portion. Verbatim. Now I want to add on another question. If the Alter Rebbe is going to explain this verse, when should he explain it? The first time or the second time? the first time. So why didn't he explain it in his book, Lekote Torah, on last week's Torah portion? Why did he wait till this week's Torah portion? It's verbatim, the exact same verse. Two questions. The answer is, last week's Torah portion was called what? Kiddoshim, holy. What does it mean? That represents the righteous. Rashi tells us, and I'm going to read to you the Rashi, Rashi says, this command is repeated here with reference to one who has sold himself as a slave to a non-Jew in order that he should not say, since my master is a libertine, I will be like him, since my master worships idols, I will be like him, since my master desecrates the Shabbat, I will be like him, on this account have these verses been stated. Last week we are talking about the holy people, Kedoshim, 
This week, we're talking about the those who sold themselves into slavery to a non-Jew. Thus, his master is not keeping Shabbat, rightfully so, is not eating kosher, is not doing all these things. He may say, well, one second, right now I'm his property. So if he doesn't, I won't. So the verse says, no, 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 no. Mystically speaking, the definition of being a slave to a different nation means exile. That means in this week's Torah portion, we're not talking about the righteous who live in true freedom. We're talking about those of us, we have made mistakes, and thus we're in a state of slavery. We're in a state of exile. That means that our keeping the mitzvot here, including Shabbat, is about doing teshuvah. So we're talking here about teshuvah. So these two verses, even though they're verbatim identical, are two different verses. This is talking to the tzaddik, and this one's talking to the rest of us. We, who have to do teshuvah. Now we understand why the Alter Rebbe picked this week's Torah portion, the second one to explain this, and not the first one. Because connecting with the third Shabbat, with the essence, is done through teshuvah. Mashiach, which is the revelation of the third Shabbat, of the essence pleasure, of beingness and not doing this, comes through teshuvah. Thus the Alter Rebbe didn't explain it on the Torah portion talking to the Tzaddik, but he waited for the Torah portion that's talking to the Baal Teshuvah. I believe we covered all the questions and all the answers. We now understand why it's plural. We now understand why it's repeated twice. We now understand the connection between keep the first two Shabbatot, fear the Migdash, which really means the words of Torah, which is really Sudash Lishit, the third Shabbat. And we understand the Ani Hashem, which is the full, the full blown experience of the third Shabbat, which is when Mashiach comes, where the Ayin, we connect with the Ani, we connect with the essence and not just with the will of God and the emanations of God. Okay? Now I want to go back in closing. So we opened up saying that we gave you statistics of addiction. We also shared that in its most primal sense, addiction is the pleasure center of the brain all lit up. And that's what you're being driven by, nothing else. The homeostasis now became that of a pleasure center gone crazy. Okay? Now let's talk about this. In closing, I want to return to the difference between the doingness of calling it pleasure, which is only a ray of pleasure, and the beingness of then you shall delight with God. Right? We spoke about that. The essence pleasure and the, and the ray of pleasure. Ray of pleasure is what you get from doing this, and the essence of pleasure you can only get from being this. I'm not proposing, I'm going to read this to you verbatim what I wrote. I'm not proposing that everyone should meditate, even though for some, including the recovering addict, it is a medical necessity. There just is no way around it. Let us just explore what is the secret of meditation that makes it a medical necessity for recovering addicts and for some others. What is, what is it about meditation? Step 11, seek through, uh, through meditation and prayer. Meditation is all about shifting our brain function from the reptilian brain of fight and flight, intense action mode, and from the limbic brain of emotions into the frontal cortex of higher intelligence of beingness. That's exactly what meditation is about. Meditation's job is to help us trans, well, transform from doingness into beingness. That's really what it's all about. 
And that's why you're not, you don't even fight your thoughts. Just identify it and go back. The only way to truly heal the pleasure center in our brain is to wean it off the ray of pleasure derived from doing this and introduce it and introduce it more and more to the peacefulness of the essence pleasure of beingness. This is why prayer works as well. For the true definition of prayer is not to negotiate, manipulate, or outright beg of God. Rather, true prayer is built upon our acceptance that our beingness, regardless of our past mistakes of good actions of our doing this, or bad actions, mistakes, we are each a child of God. That's our beingness, regardless of what our doingness was. Interesting. Not in, no, I didn't write this here, but there's a beautiful thought to meditate on. You ready? There is nothing that you can do to make God love you anymore, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. Because the love is about the beingness, not about the doingness. Doing this is all about the reward and retribution of the cause and effect of our actions. Prayer is all about our beingness of being a child of God talking to our Father. This is where the essence pleasure of our beingness is found. Thank you.